All right, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good to see everybody today. Um, we're in this worship uh, series right now. Uh, we started with worship is, is more than a song. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of living sacrifice and renewing our mind. Uh, last week, Phil did a great job uh, teaching us that even though worship is more than a song, singing does have a point. Singing does uh, bring us together and, 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 and build community together. And there's just something about music that drives our soul, right, and helps us uh, with, with our soul, that, that this is all great, but the interactivity of the worship allows us to get uh, uh, deeper together. Now, one can ask, what is the point of this right here, right? One can ask that, and actually it's being asked a lot in our culture of, I can be a Christian without attending church. And yes, we have an individual relationship with Jesus. And yes, Jesus ripped the curtain in two and, ha- and allows us to go into the Holy of Holies, into God's throne room on our own. In fact, one of our study guide uh, verses talk about this. But that same study guide verse or set of verses talks about the importance of community as well. And so what is all of this? And look, we come in, we walk in, into here, every single one of us, even if you walk in here not really liking church all that much, you still walk in here with 1,500 years worth of baggage, tradition baggage, no matter what. You're like, wait a minute. I mean, people call me old and people joke that maybe, you know, I got to see the ark but I'm not 1,500 years. How on earth do I have 1,500 years worth of bad? Hopefully we'll get to that. Hopefully we'll get to that. What we're looking at, where we're looking today is 1 Corinthians 14. And this could be a passage that none of you have, some of you have never read before. Depends on how deeply Southern Baptist you are. On if you've read this passage before. Like, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah, that's an intro, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 20. Brothers and sisters, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. What's he, what's he getting at here? What's he getting at here? So, he talked about Anki Overdrive, but as, as, as we get further and further away from Christmas, these actually are the to- chosen toys of my boys. That worked, didn't it? That, that, that rhymed. I'm a poet and didn't know it. So these are the toys of choice for my boys here. And so let's see, what else do we got? What else do we got? And so when we're children in our thinking, I mean, what does that exactly mean, right? We, we, we build something cool. Oh man, I, the, the, the big, tall... Tall triangles are, are gone, so I can't build a roof. But okay, it can be a flat roof. It's a, it's a tin roof. It's one, of those, it's one of those tiny houses, right? Yeah? You know, like 50 square foot house and we live in it and everything. So, you know, if I'm a kid, you know, I'm building this. I'm off, and if you're Noah, you're off doing your own thing. And PA, can, or can you help me here? Or Paul, either, either, either yeah. There you go. Sorry, you had your hands full. And so what, 
you know, what happens? You know, I'm Noah, I'm Noah, I'm building off on my own and stuff. What happens if you're one of the other brothers in the house and you have a ball in your hand? What do you, what do you do? What do you do? It's target practice. Can you do it? Can you? <laughs> you do that. And if you're Noah, what do you do? Ah, you poopy pants! Right? That's what you do. If you're children, if you're children, what do you do? You, you, you act in accordance to your own wants and desires and selfishness, right? Right? If you're the other brother, you don't want Noah to be playing by yourself. You want Noah mad at you for some reason. If you're Noah, you're mad that somebody else you know, takes it. And then if you're somebody else and Noah's like playing with stuff and like it's just right there, but he's not using it, you come up and what do you do? You take it. And what does the other kid do? It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. And, 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 and Paul's like, don't be children in your thinking. Ever been to a church business meeting? Doesn't it look like this? Paul's saying, don't be children in your thinking. Be mature in our thinking. Children say it's mine. Children say, I am here for me. Children say, it's all about me. The more mature we are, the more... Let me ask it as a question. The more mature we are, why are we here? Paul continues... In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers. This is, this is why, you know, if you're deep Southern Baptist, you may have never read this passage before. Or this whole chapter. Because tongues are kryptonite to Southern Baptists, Right? No, no, what are we doing? The word tongue, all, all it means is language, spoken. Language spoken by different people. And tongues was given as a way to navigate language barriers. See Acts 2. See Acts 2. Essentially what Acts 2 is, you, you watch United Nations meet, you know, you've seen it on the news, right? Where, you know, a foreign diplomat's up there talking and everybody else is listening through their little earpiece, right? In their own language. It's that without the earpiece, okay? And tongues was a way to overcome, uh, was, to, was, was how God overcame language barriers. Now, we live in America, Right? People who know three languages are tri trilingual. People who know two languages are bilingual. And people who know one language are Americans, right? <laughs> it's not, not so much an issue where we live, but in Europe, in the Mediterranean realm, it is, right? So they needed this. And prophecy, prophecy, there's nothing to get scared about either. Prophecy is simply saying what God says and what he will do about it. Right? That's all prophecy is. Because many times we think prophecy, we think late night, 
guy on TV, right? The end of the world is coming, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's falsehood. That's not prophecy, right? That's all those are. But what we've got here is a fight inside the Corinthian church that is contextual. Paul is speaking to this specific fight, but let's not get bogged down in what are tongues, what are, what, what's prophecy. Let's not get bogged down in that because what Paul is doing is he's trying to build a certain culture inside the church. If, therefore, verse 23, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say you were out of your minds? What we had was people stepping up and being selfish. Church, this service is all about me, so therefore I can do whatever I want to, whenever I want to, and it doesn't matter how other people view me. Paul's like, if you all come in speaking different languages all at the same time, people who come in who do not know Christ are going to think you're crazy. Chapter 1, back in chapter 1, again, some Bible study notes that I've got in there, Paul says, the gospel, the cross, is foolishness to Gentiles. The message itself that we have is foolishness, so don't give them reason to think you are a fool too, is essentially what he's saying. And here's how it applies to us. Yeah, tongues, prophecy, whatever. Here's how it applies to us. Paul shows us, Paul shows us that when we gather, we have two purposes when we gather. One purpose. Remember this? The one purpose. Build the house, right? Build up the house. Which the house are the people of God being built up together. The house isn't the building. The house isn't the organization. The house is the people of God being built together. When we gather, we have the purpose of being built together. Okay, I brought paper with me today. 14 verse 4. The one who prophesies builds up the church. 14.5, so that the church may be built up. 14.12, strive to excel in building up the church. 14.17, for you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up, right? He's going from the negative to stress the positive. Uh, 14.26, let all things be done for, for building up. Look, five times in one chapter, what do you think the purpose is? Build up each other. But if we come in saying, mine, 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 who are we interested in building up? Me. Me. So that we wouldn't have a fight over the carpet, we just took the stinking thing out. Right? Just forget it. We're, we're going bald here. Going bald. That way everybody can feel welcome. But, Paul also says, there's another purpose. See, if all we're focused on is building us up, what do we become? Us four and no more. Like, we're not like that. Uh -uh. As soon as we think that, we've become it. 
As soon as we think we'll never be like that, we have become it. We have lost the battle. Why? Because we navigate towards selfishness. Why? We're humans. We as adults are less selfish because we've chosen to be more mature. Sometimes, right? For really honest, sometimes. So Paul, in verse 16, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider, someone who's not in the church, say amen? And then what we just read, read, if all speak in tongues and outsiders and unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? The vision of God for the church is to build the house together, but always leave the door open. But always leave the door open. That we're always considering that and expecting that outsiders, people who do not know God, are with us. Why? Verse 25. Oh, verse 24 first. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. The purpose is so that everyone has a chance to worship. Christians, non-Christians. They may not leave necessarily going, I believe in God, but, may, but they leave going, hmm, there was something there. I don't know what it was. I don't necessarily believe all this stuff. But man, there's something going on there. And then eventually, over time, they do truly worship God as a believer. All because we started, yes, building up of ourselves, but leaving the door open. So what does this mean practically? So in Acts, we see two basic gatherings of, the, uh, uh, of people. We see mass gatherings. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 17 are, are two of those. And when we see mass gatherings, those are generally evangelistic in nature. And then we also see smaller gatherings, usually in a house, but sometimes they would be in a public place as well. And those smaller gatherings would be more focused on the people of God, but also they would have the awareness that anybody at any time could show up. And so here, this is a mass gathering. So therefore we do things with more of the outsider, those far from God more in mind. You know, why do we start with the, with, with the secular song? Why do we do you know, the opener with, with a monologue or trying to get people to laugh or doing crazy things or, or, or games and quizzes and th things like that? Bring down the walls. Allow people to have a, a little bit of fun in church. I know that's blasphemous. But just a little bit of joy in church, right? In the service. We do things here. Yes, we hope that, that Christians and believers are built up. But, but overall, we do things here 
like we do them for, so that those far from God can start to believe. And then we have small groups and disciple-making relationships so that believers can live in community together, deepen community together, and go further in what God's Word has to say, but not just for knowledge's sake, because knowledge puffs up. We go deeper so that we can understand the capital L life, the abundant, eternal, infinity life that God wants us to have. If we're just puffing up our knowledge, it's all about us. It's about Jesus living in us. And the more I read the Bible, the more I recognize we are not truly worshiping unless we are considering and serving other people. We can come in and say we're worshiping God all we want to because we feel good. God's like, that's not the metric. It's nice. It's not the metric. The metric is how much did you consider other people? And so we, we, we have a church, but it's the people. We are bricks built together into a building for God to dwell. And He has given us talents and gifts in order to use to build up the church, but also to leave the door open for other people. If you're not using your talent to build up the church and leaving the door open, this church isn't as awesome as it could be. We're missing your piece of the puzzle. We're missing it. And we want to multiply every single team and every single position because if we cannot multiply every single team and every single position, we can't have a second service. We can't have a, a, a second location. We can't plant churches. We're stuck. I know everybody loves enjoying seeing Clyde as you walk in the door. But we need more people to stand up and say, I'll be a greeter. It doesn't matter that that position is filled. I know Clyde is so intimidating that it looks like he just wants, to, wants it all for himself. You know, he flexes, when he opens that door, he just flexes those, and like, okay, I'll back up. But we need to multiply every position. Hospitality, man, that's a huge thing for us, right? But we don't do it for you. We do it for new people coming in to feel at home, right? You can get involved there. We got people that come at 9 o'clock in the morning to make sure the chairs are looking nice. Thank you, Gideon. And, 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 and everything's set up right. But it's Gideon. Now Gideon can look intimidating. Especially when he's in a, you know, small, medium, white shirt. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) 
And the redder he gets, the more intimidating he is. <laughs> but man, you get to help in the background make this thing ready. Look, we could have the chairs all looking scattered and stuff just like we don't care. But you know what? When new people come in, it's a statement, right? It's a statement that the details look like it, they're together. And we got, got the kids. It's not childcare. It's discipleship. And some of you, some of you are on the children's team and you're discipling kids, you know, the cycle with your team in and out. But we have videos being played and adults interacting with them to disciple them, to grow them up so that the next generation will build the church but leave the door open. In our nursery, they need the love of God from other adults from the very beginning. And I want us to consider something. That's so easy to be looked at as just simply, I'm doing something for the church. But what if an outsider comes in and there's no kid in the nursery? Do they feel comfortable leaving the kid over there? What if the adults aren't ready and we've said we've left the door open, but the adults aren't ready to engage with kids? What statement are we leaving? We're leaving, we're, we're ready, except if you have kids. And then in here, we'll talk more about in here uh, at, at the end, but you know what an effective disciple-making kids' ministry produces? Produces youth and students who serve. Elijah, just stepping into to doing pro-presenter and, 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 and things like that, and, and, and Lane counting, and Evan and Elijah and, and Ellie helping with the kids and, and Maddie as well. And, and disciple making in the kids produces teenagers and students who serve. And know that this isn't about them. But we as adults have to show them we're not going to think like children. We're going to think like mature adults. And when we show up here, it's not about me and what I get out of it. It's about other people. Look, what happens when you're in here? So you just sit down and sit back and go, oh, look, so-and-so's here. I haven't seen them in a while. That's nice. Oh, look, I heard they had a rough week. I hope it gets better. Oh, look, I heard he got a promotion. Hmm, good for him. I don't know them. Hmm, I hope somebody talks with them. Which type of thinking is that? Or is it better actually to get up out of our seat and say, man, I've heard you had a tough week. What can I do for you? Man, 
You got a promotion? Good for you. Hey, I don't know you. My name is... Where are you from? How'd you hear about us? Hey, we're going to go to lunch. You want to join us? Which one is worship? Living sacrifice, that's worship. But I'm an introvert. So am I. Off the chart. Except for a lot what allows me to do this right here. Off the chart. Introvert. I would much rather sit in a corner and watch a room go. That's much more enjoyable for me. But I try and touch as many people as possible. In as less awkward ways as possible. It's not always easy for me. Like I said earlier, if we think we're okay, we've lost the battle. If we think we've figured it out, we have lost the battle. We have settled for where we are. And we're going backwards. But we always have to be pushing forward. We always have to be considering, why am I here? Am I here for me? Am I here for other people? Here's the secret sauce. When you're here for other people, you leave with more fulfillment. You do. You leave with more joy. You leave with more satisfaction. You leave with more excitement. You leave with everything better than being here, singing a few songs, listening to the crazy guy, and going home. You do. We're all intended for mission. And it's not mission if we don't sacrifice. We're all intended for mission. And it's not mission if we don't sacrifice. Why are you here? Why has God placed you here? What is your mission? And how can you build the church and leave the door open? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the church. The more I do this, the more I live life the more brilliance I see in your plan. I just pray, Lord, that you will guide our hearts, impact our hearts, show us how to build your people, but also be so aware of those on the outside that we give up our, ourselves, preferences, our desires to impact other people. We thank you. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and stand. As usual, there'll be people around to pray with if you need to pray with somebody. Um, otherwise, worship Jesus, but also consider, consider the challenge. Why am I here?